American woman. It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House. I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team I work with as producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Thursday to you, producer Steve. March 9th, thought-provoking Thursday. And that it will be, most definitely. So be sure and stay tuned. We're going to be talking with Representative, uh, Colorado Representative Anthony Hartsuk in this second segment of the first hour regarding these um, these real, uh, 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 the, there's five bills right now that are a, a direct assault upon the Second Amendment. And what that means is it makes it very difficult. It, it takes away uh, the right of law-abiding citizens to have firearms to protect themselves against the bad guys. And uh, so we're going to talk about that in uh, the second segment. Third and fourth segment, Dan Caldwell, who's VP with uh, Center for Renewing America. We're going to talk about what's happening on Capitol Hill in Washington. And then next hour, you will not want to miss this. Pam Long has outdone herself on her most recent essays. They are always very good and very thorough. This is really amazing. Regarding school mental health surveys are a tool for expanding pharmaceutical drugs to students. And she'll be our featured guest in the second hour, so you will not want to miss that. Um, Big show. Can I just say this? Uh, I've already, you know, between the bill of the day and the quote of the day, I've already had my thoughts provoked. (laughs) Good deal. Well, let's go to the quote of the day, first of all, by Will Rogers. And he was born in 1879. He died in an airplane uh, crash in 1935 up in Alaska. He was an American entertainer, radio personality, film actor, and writer who was famous for his pithy and homespun humor and social commentary. And uh, this is the quote of the day. He said, last year we said things can't go on like this. And they didn't. They got worse. And I know it's not funny, but that's really, I think, what's happening with the Colorado State Legislature and the radical activist Democrats that are in control of, of both the state, state House, state Senate, and the governor's office. Because uh, the legislation that we see coming down the pike here is um, really, really not good for everyday law-abiding citizens, Steve. I, at the uh, close of the 20th century and moving into the 21st century, and, and I didn't know if it was just me or if this is real. I mean, I just realized that you can't, you got to stop saying, oh, it can't get any worse than this because it, it did. It did. Yeah, it can get worse. And uh, that's why that's why it's so important to engage in this battle of ideas. That's why we do this show is to shed light on what is going on out there, help you understand that, help you be able then to engage in reasonable conversations with your friends, family, and colleagues. Because there, there's the there's the fringe, there's the radical 
uh, activist Democrats on one side, which is in control of Colorado legislature and the governor's office. Then you've got on the other side the Republican operative consultants that uh, have been, I think, complicit with these radical activist Democrats because the uh, Republican consultants have been making money. And this big, broad middle of Coloradans, and that would be your moderate Democrats, unaffiliated libertarians, Republicans, and conservatives, this big, broad middle saying something's not right here. And until we understand what's going on and shed light on it, we can't get this turned around. And that's why we do this show. And we uh, we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And so that's why we do the show for you all. I uh, wanted to get over here to the bill of the day. This is... Hold on here. This is Senate Bill 23171. Uh, the prime sponsors are Senator Kevin Priola and Rep- Representative Chris DeGruy Kennedy. And it is regarding large entertainment facility substance-free seating requirement. First of all, this is not the proper role of government. I understand that people go to... Um, uh, big, you know, so it, it, hockey games, football games, concerts, basketball games, and everybody has a story of somebody, you know, a few rows over, misbehaving, had much too to dr- much too much to drink. I understand that 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 happens, but to have the state government come in and require, I think it's that four percent of uh, the seating. Yeah, seating capacity be noted as substance-free seating. And substance-free seating is defined as seating where the use of alcohol, electronic smoking devices, marijuana, and tobacco are banned. I can understand how people are frustrated about that. But first of all, this is not the proper role of government. This is something that the venues should be instituting themselves if there is, is a problem. Uh, and instead of having government come in and use the force of law to do this, particularly when Colorado is number one in car thefts, number one in bank robberies, when we um, have we're, we're, I, some different uh, reporting agencies say that we're number one in crime, uh, I think that actually we need to be focusing on what's really happening here in Colorado and be uh, be addressing the the root of these problems, and the root of these problems is is bad public policy. And uh, so, to be messing around here, making government say that there has to be at least a certain amount of seating capacity with with that, I I, I just think that we're giving up freedom. I understand that. I would ask that people try to be more responsible, but this is not the proper role of governments, producer Steve. You know, <laughs> you know, you got me right in the middle of this. You're right. It's not the proper role of government. But having been recently been victimized by this at a, a Mannheim Steamroller concert in December, we were the people just right on the other side of the partition. I, I mean, I could have reached out and touched them on the shoulder. They were drunk. They talked all the way through it. And, you know, what do you do? I thought about, you know, the theater personnel, but I think this is going to create a scene and so, so what? What are we left with here? It's this, you know. Uh, Alan Thomas brought it up the last time he was in the studio. 
what defines this? And I think it's virtue as a culture that we know how to behave in certain situations. And I used to laugh. Right. You go to the movie theater on the screen and says, please don't talk during the movie. I thought we have to be told that. So I, I, I don't know. You're right. It's not the proper role of government. You're, but they're, you know, what, what do you do when it, when it happens? I remember going to a Nuggets well, game and the people in front of me, they made it clear when I asked them to sit down. No, we're going to stand all the way through this. And they did. So mm-hmm. what do you do? Well, we've gotten away from uh, good manners. I think that that's the first thing. You can't legislate good manners. Right. And uh, uh, so we, we've, you really can't legislate good manners. And we don't teach good manners to, uh, you know, in our educational system. I mean, when you go, you think about CRT, where it is um, <clears throat> teaching kids that they're part of a group instead of part of an individual. And that this group... Um, may feel oppressed and, and you've seen people when they feel like that they're they're they're, they're i'm going to say that they have a chip on their shoulder there's there's uh there's no amount of conversations you might have with someone um if they have a chip on their shoulder but <clears throat> the venues need to be uh on top of this and steve i understand what you're saying is is you're saying there's a problem what to do about it, and government's more than happy to step in and say, "Oh, we'll we'll solve that." And I understand what you're saying. You, you'd ask the people politely to sit down, and they're they're not going to do that. Probably, I think in that case, I would go to the venue and say, "Would you mind reseating us uh, at, at, at someplace else?" Uh, and then, if the venue starts to have more and more people that are doing that, then I think that that they they might do something along that line. But I just it's not the proper role of government. And when government starts to get out of their lane, they never try to get back in their lane. And so I think this is giving the government way too much power on this. The venues <clears throat> need to be making the decisions on this. We need to start to teach good, better manners <clears throat> so that we are treating each other better. That was one of the things with um, Wilbur Wilberforce back in Great Britain. The two things that he really worked on was to get rid of the British slave trade, which it took 20 years, but he did, and also to reinstitute good manners in British society. And it's interesting; those two things were were the things that he were he focused on, and and he I think he was successful probably in both those things. So that's where we need to go. We do not need to be giving government more power to decide, you know, seating capacity. And the other thing is, 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 I mean, I just, I don't really go to those things anymore. And it, I, I don't think it's just because of that. It's just, just because I don't have time and it's expensive and, you know, all those different things, Steve. Yeah. I, I know a little bit about your schedule. You don't have time. <laughs> that is true. There's a couple of other things that I wanted to mention. First of all, Steve, you found this one. <clears throat> This is from Fox News, and this, again, should strike terror in our hearts. A bill is being pushed by Washington's attorney general, which would criminalize free speech and lead to an Orwellian ministry of truth under the guise of preventing domestic terrorism, according to a regional think tank. It says the bill will create a two-tier justice system where some people have free speech and others don't, and that is a dangerous path for us to be set upon. Liv Finn, director for the Education of Washington Policy Center, told Fox 
News. So here over in Colorado, we have all these uh, different uh, firearms bills that are a direct assault upon the Second Amendment. Then over here in Washington State, we've got an adre- direct assault upon the First Amendment on freedom of speech. We should be very, very concerned about that. And then I also just wanted to mention Gavin Newsom. What a guy. Uh, he apparently, Walgreens has said that guy. they will not be selling this um abortion pill at the 20 different states that I believe that have outlawed uh, the abortion pill or also known as the killing your baby pill. And um, the the march of the radical activist Democrats to do everything that they can to um, normalize uh, killing mothers, killing their children is absolutely amazing. And here we have uh, I got to try to get to it. I think it's down here near the bottom. Um, but anyway, yeah, Newsom says California is done. This is from the Daily Wire with Walgreens over these abortion pills. First of all, that there can be um, uh, very dire consequences to the, the woman when she takes these pills. And so just to have it over the counter, I mean, not only are, do we know that we have babies' lives at risk, but this is putting women's lives at risk as well. At, and for Newsom to say that his state is, is going to cut ties with Walgreens because their, their decision, Walgreens' decision not to sell the abortion pills in nearly two dozen states, he says they're going to quit doing business with them. Well, I say good riddance on that. But again, it is, it's, it's beyond belief that these radical activist Democrats, where they stand is that, um, um, all different ways for women to kill their babies, but also women have to understand that this is not about women's rights because these pills can actually be very dangerous to women and women can lose their lives because of this as well. There's nothing compassionate about that at all, Steve. And I just, I, I just, I just, it breaks, in a way, it almost breaks my heart for Newsom that the, this is the stance that they want to take because it's, it's just, it doesn't honor life. It doesn't honor women. It doesn't honor men. It, it, it just, but we've got it. We've got to do better on on our our messaging to, to so that the women understand that this is not about taking away rights, but this is about about really protecting their rights and protecting their lives. It's it's just beyond belief to me, Steve. Well, from the hardball approach uh, to to Newsom, I want to say that I can't believe that with the amount of problems your state has, this is the one that you want to you know make a make a scene right. with. But uh, on the flip side, you're not just blowing smoke. I heard uh, uh, Glenn Beck recently did a segment on this, and I heard it twice. It's not just a matter of popping those pills. Further treatment is required, and if it doesn't get administered properly, you are absolutely right. Serious uh, illness and or death is, is the issue. It is. And um, so there's nothing compassionate about the stand that Newsom is taking. I know that he's trying to grandstand on all, all this, but there's nothing compassionate about it. There will be women that will lose their lives because of this. And uh, it's bec- and so I, it's just really important to understand that. We have these important conversations because of great sponsors. And one of those great sponsors is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. They can create personalized insurance plans to cover all your needs from protection for your cars to your home, condo, boat, motorcycle, business, and renters coverage. Contact the Roger Megan team now at 303-795-8855 for a complimentary appointment. Like a good neighbor, Roger Megan's team is there. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. 
Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice on an independent station searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I'm thrilled to have on the line with me Colorado Representative Anthony Hartsook. Uh, he's a representative from District 44. He's one of my fellow Liberty Toastmasters. Anthony Hartsook, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. Thank you. How's everyone today? Uh, doing well. Uh, you are, this is your rookie year down at the State House. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, how, how's it going? What are you learning down there? Well, you know, learning a lot. I, ask, I get asked that question a lot, like, do you still like this? Do you have fun? I'm like, absolutely. I enjoy the debates. I enjoy the discussions. I enjoy trying to make things better and guide, help guide the government towards what it's supposed to be doing and away from what it should not be doing. Well, it looks to me like there's a, a lot of bills out there that's uh, not the proper role of government. But wanted to talk to you about the firearms bills. There's five of them now, correct, uh, Anthony? That's correct, yes. Uh, so let's run through those. House Bill 231219, um, why don't you just explain each of these bills and why people should be concerned? Um, well, if it's okay with you, can I kind of take them as a as a whole and talk about a big picture. I'm not sure Absolutely. Have time to go through and dissect everyone. But Absolutely. I'd like to, first of all, I'd like to say, hey, all right, thanks. You know, you start out with this Star Spangled Banner, so I want to say thanks for that. And then number two, you'd mentioned earlier about the other bill with the venues and the drinking, and you made a comment that is so accurate, and you said you cannot legislate manners. The same thing applies on these gun bills. We cannot legislate away the hatred and the anger that exists in the world. It's just not possible. And unfortunately, the government is sitting here trying to legislate these bills and force people to adhere to, quote, their standards. They're trying to legislate away anger and hatred 
by controlling their access to weapons, what they can do with the weapons, how long they have to wait to get the weapons. Uh, all of it falls under that. They're going to try to legislate away that, that anger and hatred. And I will tell you, seeing things around the world, I mean, there's a whole laundry list that we can go down to, but to highlight some of them, if you remember back in 1995, you know, just here in April of 95, when Timothy McVeigh blew up the Oklahoma City uh, Federal Building, killed 160, what, 68 people, something like that, of which 19 were children in a bomb blast. That was through anger and hatred. When I was in one of my combat tours in Afghanistan, I saw the Taliban, you know, we were responding to an event where they blew up a girl's school with, with a, a bomb because the girls were going to school because they hated girls going to school and getting an education. We can see this throughout the world. And this anger, this hatred, we can't stop with any number of bills or any kind of legislation. We have to sit down and talk and at the community level start working these issues out. And that's where I see the biggest problem is, is we've lost that community level involvement and we are trying to drive the train at the state or federal level to solve everyone's problems. And that just cannot be done. So, Anthony, I really think that there are probably legislators that are looking at tragic issues and they want to legislate regarding the, as you mentioned, the anger and the hatred. But there's also a, a much bigger um, agenda there, and that is there's a, a big agenda to take away the rights of law-abiding citizens to have firearms, to protect themselves against the bad guys. And sometimes I think that these some legislators are being used as pawns to push for this legislation. They don't understand the ramifications of it. And uh, two of the bills, one of the bills is a waiting period uh, to be able to get your firearm. And the other is changing uh, the age from 18 to 21 to be able to get a certain firearms. And I was just thinking about this because I had something that hit very close to home. Uh, uh, somebody that I care deeply about, uh, the area where they work, uh, two nights ago, uh, in the parking lot, a woman was raped. And I'm thinking, gosh, you know, the great equalizer with women, it can be a, fi- a firearm. And I don't know the details of this, but was the woman 18? Gosh, this law would say that she might have, that she, she couldn't get a firearm. Or if she knew that somebody might be stalking her, she would have to wait to get a firearm. And so I don't think that those that are, those people that are pushing these bills have really thought about how that could really affect, uh, everyday people being able to protect themselves against the bad guys. Your thoughts on that, Anthony? You're you're absolutely correct. Uh, my wife, you know, we're both military. My wife's military too. But I sent her through a weapons course that was run by women for women only. And all the women that were in that that were teaching that course uh, that had their concealed carry were were victims. They'd been abused by their ex boyfriends, ex husbands. They had been beaten up and assaulted, and that's that's why they went out and got it. And you're you're right. That's the huge equalizer. And being told you have to go through a waiting period, being told you have to do this, that's, again, just the government basically telling everybody, hey, I, I know better, so we're going to legislate away all of these deals. But it's also the epitome of the government says to do it this way, but the government, we get extra protections. I mean, I, 
I'm sitting up here as part of that. I'm looking just going, wait a minute, you want things that we have, but not for, for the common citizens. I said, that's wrong. That is not equality under the law. And we get back to this. You had mentioned it's the great equalizer for women. It, it absolutely is. There shouldn't be a waiting period. I go hunting. I take my kids hunting. They've been hunting for years now. They went through the hunter safety course. And to be told, oh, you can't buy this kind of rifle if they shoot a different rifle. And they're like, well, I'd like to buy that one because that's the one I want to go hunting with. I mean, what, do I have to buy it? Then I have to sell it to them and go through a whole series of transfers? That's ridiculous. You know, we, we just shouldn't have the government sticking its nose into our everyday business. The government should be dealing with the security of the state and the nation as a whole, commerce, but not running people's lives. Right, and <clears throat> really protecting our rights instead of trying to take our rights away. And one of the bills, I, I took a look at it, and I can't remember which one it was, but it basically is restricting, infringing upon the right of everyday citizens to bear arms. But it was giving government and all government entities that they could have all these firearms. There's something inherently unfair about that. That's not the way it's supposed to be, uh, Representative Hartsook. Correct. Yeah, that was what I was had mentioned earlier. Absolutely. It's that the epitome of do as I say, not as I do. And and that's just absolutely wrong. You know, we, we that's not equality, that's not equal under the law. That's that's a privilege that oh, I've got this privilege, but you citizens, you don't get to have that privilege. Even though it's enshrined in the constitution, you citizens don't get to have to do that because I the government have the power and I'm gonna take it away from you. And that is just simply point blank wrong. Okay, so Representative Hartsook, I know people are pretty whipped up about this. Uh, so what can people do? What would you recommend that people do? When they go to the House, both for that matter, the House and the Senate schedule, they can see where everything, all the bills are listed. So any bill that they're interested in, whether it's uh, the, the gun bills, the health issues, I mean, it doesn't matter. Whatever they're piques their interest and they have an area of expertise they can sign up they can either testify in person they can testify remotely if, if the time doesn't allow to come on down here we we hear uh, people uh, remotely on the zoom all the time because they're at work or yesterday teachers in classrooms so they can do that they can even submit a written uh, presentation but doing it in person obviously is the best it carries the most weight next one is going to be online and then they can write their legislators their uh, senators expressing their their concerns their issues and i would encourage people when they do that either try to tie it to an uh, an issue or something that's that they can speak to with expertise and just saying vote yes or vote no i mean that gives us some ideas of where the electorate is at but it doesn't tell us why they are there and i i really like to know why do people say this way why do they feel this way that's what i like to know well, and the other thing, ultimately, though, we need to continue to message that this is unconstitutional. And the reason it's unconstitutional, uh, we should lay that out very clearly. And, again, the Second Amendment of the Constitution is basically there to... Um, so that everyday people can protect themselves against the bad guys. And the bad guys might be a criminal, it might be... Uh, or it might be a, an out-of-control government as well. And so that is why the Second Amendment is there. So, uh, Representative Hartsook, I'm going to give the bill numbers here so people have those because somebody asked about them the other day. It's House Bill 23-1219, House Bill 23-168, 
Senate, or excuse me, Senate Bill 23168, Senate Bill 23169, Senate Bill 23170, and House Bill 231230. Again, House Bill 1219, Senate Bill 168, Senate Bill 169, Senate Bill 170, and House Bill 1230. Your final thought, Anthony Hartsook, before we uh, let you go. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, I guess I would close with this. We've had Thou shalt not murder in the Ten Commandments around for thousands of years, and that has not stopped people from committing murder, committing crimes. The government legislating and taking away the rights of the people, in this particular case, the, the Second Amendment, the right to bear or keep arms, is, is wrong. As you mentioned earlier, it's the equalizer. We cannot legislate away violence and hatred. We need to stick to the Constitution, the role of government, and let people run their lives and stay within the laws. Uh, totally agree. Thank you so much, Representative Hartsook. He is uh, representing Colorado House District 44, and I thank you for the work that you're doing there. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me today. Have a great day. You too. And we get to have these important conversations because of my great sponsors, and one of those great sponsors is Three Points Financial. Three Points Financial, a comprehensive fee-only financial and tax-focused company, considers all the pieces of a client's financial life. There are no sales or commissions involved, and all advice is fiduciary, putting the client first. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz, co-owners of Three Points Financial, take time to work with you regarding decisions that affect your financial present and future. Whatever is happening in our world and with our economy, you have financial goals that matter. And Three Points Financial offers personal, real-time plans for savings, retirement, investments, and taxes, both tax efficiency and preparation. There is no better time than now to focus on your financial situation. If you are interested in learning more, contact threepointsfinancial.com to schedule a no-obligation introductory call. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has nearly 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers regularly with GRRR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Call Karen Levine to help you buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, on the line with me is Dan Caldwell. He is a vice president at the Center for Renewing America. You can find them at AmericaRenewing.com. They've really got their finger on the pulse of what is happening in Washington, D.C. Dan Caldwell, welcome to the show. Kim, thank you so much for having me on. 
So, Dan, explain uh, Center for Renewing America to our listeners. Uh, we've had uh, some of your colleagues on before, but if uh, people are new to Center for Renewing America, explain the genesis of it. Sure. Center for Renewing America is a policy, and we have a, a sister advocacy organization, Citizens for Renewing America, that aims to advance an America-first agenda in Washington, D.C. We focus on some issues that are, are very important to the future of our country, including uh, budget, um, investigating the abuses of the security state, uh, renewing our culture, and also ensuring that we have a better foreign policy that prioritizes what is needed to keep America safe. So you were very, uh, Center for Reading America was involved, uh, uh, I think, you're keeping an eye on the uh, the 20 of the Freedom Caucus that really were effective in um, getting getting some things done with um, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and so that was very important. And you guys were very involved in that, yes? Yes. Um, uh, we were one of the groups. Uh, that was out front saying that it was important that this fight uh, happen in the first place, that that um, Kevin McCarthy is just not essentially rubber stamped as Speaker of the House, and that there was an opportunity to essentially create the conditions in the House of Representatives where conservatives have real power, meaning that, they're, that they can uh, drive conservative reforms through uh, regular order and the legislative process in the House, that they have a voice on important committees, and also, too, have the ability to hold the Speaker accountable through um, tools like a motion to vacate if the House Speaker is not keeping his promises. And ultimately, at the end of the day, what came out of that fight was a, a truly revolutionary set of House rules that empowers the conservatives in Congress, particularly the House Freedom Caucus, more than they ever been empowered before. And also, too restores regular order to the House of Representatives and allows your average member to actually do their job. For too long in Congress, um, it was it was a top-down approach where basically you'd have the House Speaker, the Majority Leader, the Minority Leader, and a couple committee chairmen. They get together, they throw together a bill in, in a back room, and they throw it on the floor and say, vote on it, and that's it. There was no amendments. There was no real debate. They were just forcing things down the throats of their members. And so, really, your, your average member of Congress didn't have an opportunity to do their job or to weigh in. And, and the, the, the bravery of the 20 to stand up to the, the Washington, D.C. cartel really, truly enabled a, a fundamental transformation of the United States House of Representatives. Well, and this is so important because America is, is in trouble, and so is is Colorado. So what is happening in Washington, I saw a headline that Biden is going to use the budget to blame Republicans. And so what what do you see about all that, Dan Caldwell? Well, right now, I would say that, that definitely the, the biggest debate going on here in Washington is around um, the, the budget and around what to do about the debt limit. And the Biden administration is is trying to basically accuse Republicans of of threatening the, fin- the country's financial future, by threatening a, a debt uh, uh, default, by uh, essentially um, you know holding the country's financial future hostage, um, they're putting forward their own budget that you know the president claims is going to reduce our, our debt and deficit. But if, but if you take a close look at it, it appears most of that is as a result of tax increases 
and really a lot of budget gimmicks. Um, this is we've seen this playbook before: is that that uh, Democrat presidents, even in the past Republican presidents, too, we have to be honest, use these scare tactics uh, to try and convince the the United States Congress, both the House and Senate, not to have a real discussion about our country's financial future. And as you said, it is not in a good place. We're over thirty trillion dollars in debt. We have a tremendous amount. We have record inflation. And we also have a government that, we have to be honest, is increasingly woke and weaponized against the American people. So there is, is a real fight and real debate happening. That's a good thing. And I think that you're really going to see it intensify over the next few months. Well, remember when the Democrats said that they were wanted to increase the taxes just for millionaires and billionaires? Well, I saw just recently another headline that said that Biden is um, going to propose that uh, additional taxes on people that make more than $400,000 a year to uh, try to shore up Medicare to some degree. So they say one thing, but, uh, I mean, you just have to look at the real mantra. Do they really have the best interests of the American people in mind, or is it special interest? And you said something, uh, Dan, that I find interesting is that with the 20, it changed the way that the uh, legislation was proposed that typically had been a backroom deal. And I, I call them now PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties. And so that's how some of the this legislation gets proposed. And then I can't believe that they vote on it without any time to make sure that they read it. I mean, it's irresponsible to be putting things into law that uh, elected representatives have not read. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, I'm going to steal that acronym if you don't mind. Um, the, sure. It, it, absolutely, <laughs> it, is, it absolutely is disgusting. And, you know, it, it's funny. What would happen is, is that you, you'd reach a, a, a supposed, and I say supposed because it really wasn't a crisis point all the time. So a supposed crisis point where, you know, you're running up against a debt limit or the government was like running out of funding and the government was going to shut down. And you'd have not just congressional leadership, but the, the rest of the D.C. cartel. So the media here in Washington, D.C., the, the so-called large parts of the think tank community, where candidly they don't really do a lot of thinking. Um, and they say, well, if you don't pass this bill right away, right now, there's a crisis. And, and you're threatening the future of the country and you're going to harm your constituents, in some cases kill them, if you don't pass this bill that you haven't had time to read right here, right now. And you saw that play out uh, at the beginning of the coronavirus with, with Congressman Thomas Massey, where he stood up and demanded a roll call vote on the bill, and he correctly predicted a lot of the things that were going to happen with that bill. There was going to be waste, it was going to increase inflation, but you had people saying that, that Congressman Massey was literally threatening the lives of millions of people, including his colleagues. He had his own colleagues basically saying that, that he could be killing them. And you see that time and time again. You see that with defense bills, spending bills, health care bills. And, and it is designed to instill fear in your average rank-and-file member and to give them the, the impression that they don't have actual power. Well, the good news is, is now they have actual power. And, you know, I just have to say it's not Republican. I wouldn't be surprised if members of the squad, the far left-wing group that has people like AOC and Cory Bush in it, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually wind up voting on more pieces of legislation under this Congress than they did in the last Congress. It's not just empowering Republicans, it's empowering individual Democrats as well, too. So that's why this whole thing's important, and candidly, it's returning the House of Representatives 
back to the way that our founders envisioned. And that's, that's a fundamentally good thing. So speaking of uh, the, the squad, are you starting to see at least some moderate Democrats start to realize that the trajectory that we're on is we're headed towards disaster if we don't get this turned around? Uh, and with what the Biden administration is pushing forward, are, are you starting to see that <clears throat> any of these Democrats, moderate Democrats, uh, say, hey, I'm not sure I really support that? Or what are you seeing, Dan? I, I see them working in, in lockstep together. There isn't a equivalent of the House Freedom Caucus on the Democrat side. A lot of people say, oh, that, that was the squad, that was AOC, that was, you know, Cory Bush and now Jamal Bowman and, and Ilhan Omar and folks like that. But the reality is, is that they, they usually fall in line with Nancy Pelosi or, or now Hakeem Jeffries. Is, is they may hem and haw, but, but they have never actually wielded power like you saw members of the 20 in the House Freedom Caucus. And, and it's, so it's a lot of theater. And, and the reality is, is that, that they all at the end come together and, and they usually advance the same agenda. You know, for example, the supposedly anti-war, um, anti-interventionist squad has voted for every Ukraine aid package because Nancy Pelosi was able to bully them into doing it. So uh, you, you're not seeing a lot of, 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 um, uh, of, individual groups coming together or a lot of real debate on the left right now they're all kind of just moving in lockstep and you know um uh, as somebody who is a conservative uh in in some ways it's not surprising to me um i think it benefits our side but it's not healthy for them in the long term for that to happen well dan let's talk a little bit about ukraine i cannot believe the amount of money that is being sent to Ukraine to secure their border uh, while our border is wide open. And uh, Ukraine, now the, the war, war is a terrible thing for both sides. And so the people uh, certainly are are suffering because of that. But all this money and, and also depleting um, some of our, our, our military supplies Seems like this is putting America in a dangerous position, and I was almost embarrassed when Zelensky came to uh, America to see the fawning of uh, Democrat leadership over him. It was it truly, I was almost embarrassed. What's your thoughts on that, Dan Caldwell? Well, well, I I don't blame Zelensky for doing what he's doing. He he benefits from American aid and from, you know, uh, the support of the, the D.C. cartel. Whether it's good for his country in the long term, I think, is up for debate. I, I think that it's clear that he cannot achieve a decisive victory, and the best outcome for Ukraine is a negotiated settlement. Uh, but what, what I can say and what I am angry at is that you have so many American politicians who have subordinated the interests of the United States to a foreign leader, a foreign leader who, let's just be honest, prior to being elected president, was a comedian. He was the, effectively the John Stewart of Ukraine. He was incredibly unpopular. His government was not in good shape. And, you know, today is increasingly authoritarian, is um, cracking down on, on the media, cracking down on religious institutions that may have links to Russia. Um, this is not somebody who we should be tying ourselves to, chain ourselves to, because it threatens the future of, of the United States. And I, I would just say this. We are a great power still. And great powers 
don't have to behave this way. And and unfortunately here in Washington, D.C., people don't understand what has made America great or other countries that have been, you know, great powers over time, how they were able to survive and how they ultimately fell. And it, it is it is really disturbing to me. I think that there are more and more elected officials here in Washington that are waking up to the threats posed by this war continuing to drag on. But there's still too much of the D.C. cartel that wants to continue to, to uh, continue this war, to continue to, the blank check to Ukraine, even when it's starting to undermine our own defense and the risk of a larger war with Russia are increasing by the day. Well, I, and Dan Caldwell, I've been concerned that um, a lot of this money might be coming back to the United States and playing in politics. Is, is that a valid concern on my part? Absolutely. And, and it's, in fact, it's already happening. Um, uh, you know, everybody knows about the Hunter Biden Burisma scandal where he was on the board of, of that uh, effectively state-run uh, Ukrainian energy company was getting paid up to $80,000 a month uh, just to sit there. But part of, the, part of what Burisma was doing was they're also funneling money to Washington, D.C. Um, uh, think tanks and to other organizations that have influence here in Washington, D.C., groups like the Atlanta Council, uh, groups, you know, that, that support an interventionist foreign policy. And it, it, I, can, I, I only believe that, that more and more of that money that's going to Ukraine is coming back to Washington, D.C., whether it's, it's, it's um, going to the think tank community in the media space, they're, they're hiring more lobbyists, uh, so, yeah, it, 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 it's already coming back and, and buying some nice houses here in Northern Virginia for lobbyists, defense contractors, and uh, uh, PR flocks. Um, and I only think that's going to get worse as the war drags on. Well, and that's why, uh, yes, a negotiated peace would be a good thing to get this stopped. And and um, I, that's so interesting. So, Dan Caldwell, uh, we're, I have other questions for you. Uh, we get to have these great conversations because of wonderful sponsors. Roots Medical is one of those great sponsors. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your healthcare concerns. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. 
Finding a firearm or training course can be intimidating for anyone, especially when you're new at it. Franktown has everything you need to get started or to improve with a firearm. Franktown is a family-friendly gun store and are invested in the success of their customers, no matter what your age, gender, or experience level is. Franktown sells firearms and ammo at or below MSRP, has an indoor range on site, and offers tactical and safety training. Franktown Firearms is always a safe and easygoing environment for all customers. Come to Franktown for a comfortable, no-pressure experience when shopping or learning about your firearm with approachable experts dedicated to your development as the owner of a firearm. Franktown Firearms has everything you need to get started and or to improve on any background experience. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown to schedule your firearms training today or find more information at franktownfirearms.com. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, before we uh, continue on with Dan Caldwell, I wanted to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. It's a nonprofit that I uh, truly love. Uh, Paula Sarles is the president of the USMC Memorial Foundation. She's a Gold Star wife as well as a Marine veteran. And she and her team are working diligently to raise the money for this remodel. Uh, the Marine Memorial was um, dedicated in 1977, so it's time for a facelift. And as we are looking at these battles that are going on regarding America, it is so important that we honor those that have given their lives or been willing to give their lives for our liberty so that we can live in in freedom and definitely it's it's under attack right now but we we certainly need to honor those and you can go to usmcmemorialfoundation.org to make a contribution that's usmcmemorialfoundation.org dan caldwell is on the line with me he is a vice president with center for renewing america and you can find them at americarenewing.com uh dan there's been a big brouhaha now regarding tucker carlson um, getting some of these J- uh, January sixth videos, uh, you've got you're right there in Washington. What what do you see going on with that? So I I believe strongly that government transparency is a good thing, and it's absolutely critical to fix a lot of these problems that we've talked about today. And I don't see a problem at all with releasing these government or these tapes. Um, I don't see a problem with them being given to a news organization like Fox News. Um, and the, the, the overblown reaction to them, I think, is a result of this allergy here in Washington, D.C., to transparency. Um, this town um, benefits from secrecy, from keeping things in the dark, as we've been talking about, keeping things in the back room. And they're able to, to to essentially weaponize that. They're able to go to the American people and say, well, you don't know the full picture about this. You don't understand. And when there is transparency, when you do have the full picture, it's harder to pull that, that, that stunt. And so I, I think the overwrought and overblown reaction to it is it's very revealing in and of itself. And I, I'd also just point out one thing that I thought was very interesting. Uh, the chairman of the January 6th committee, Benny Thompson, said, I didn't realize that I could watch these tapes myself and that he didn't watch 
you know, a, even a portion of these tapes, his staff did. And that, that was very revealing. And um, I'd also point out, too, and I think Speaker McCarthy deserves a lot of credit for this, is that he's allowing other members to, to look at this at these tapes, and, and they can draw their own conclusions from there. The question, what are we now? Uh, gosh, we would be, what, we're two years into it now. And first of all, I mean, it's unbelievable. As the chairman, I would demand to be able to watch these tapes. You mean, you're telling me the chairman of the January 6th committee didn't watch all these tapes? I mean, is that what I just heard you say? Yep. Yeah, he, he, he essentially admitted that. But it's, it's not surprising. I mean, the, the January 6th committee made a decision that it was essentially going to be a political messaging operation. They hired, I believe, a former uh, producer for ABC News, it may have been another outlet. They, they conducted their, their hearings in prime time. They produced all these slick videos and things like that. It was not a serious oversight effort. And there was something very revealing that actually came out towards the end of the committee, where actually some committee staff were getting in a fight with Liz Cheney, uh, the committee vice uh, chairwoman, um, because she didn't want to examine law enforcement failures. They didn't want to focus on that. You know, there was no willingness to look into how did a, a law enforcement organization whose budget's been doubled since 9-11, that has almost twice the number of sworn officers since 9-11, how are they unable to stop this? How did this happen? And it, that that should have been the first priority. And they chose not to. Instead, they just focused on President Trump and just revealed that it was about really damaging him politically uh, and also damaging the larger movement and people that are allied with him. And so that's what it was really about. I think it would have been healthy to do real oversight investigation of what happened. But... There were probably a lot of people that didn't want that to happen because it would have revealed some really uncomfortable things about our security state. And that all ties together with the release of these footage and why there's so many people freaking out here in Washington, D.C. about it. Well, and that's a really interesting point that you make, Dan, because let's really think about this. Uh, This is the capital of the United States of America. The Capitol Police are are put in charge to protect it. Of course, now we've seen videos of uh, two Capitol Police officers basically kind of escorting Horned Man around so that Horned Man could get to the inner chambers. But my gosh, if we cannot prevent just, you know, the narrative of citizens uh, storming the Capitol. How the heck do you think that we could stand up against uh, China or, uh, you know, any other power uh, regarding protecting America if we can't, if, if these people couldn't even protect the Capitol? And the other thing is I had a young person that last year said he realized that we were not being told the truth when he saw Horned Man being escorted into the um basically the inner chambers with two Capitol Police officers behind him. I mean, if they were really going to protect the chambers, they would they would be there making a line on that. So we've got a couple of minutes left. Your thoughts on that, Dan Caldwell? Well, I, I, I think that at the very least that just reveals a, a massive training failure and maybe something more. Um, but, you know, this, this also to, to your your point about being unprepared for, for the, you know, for bigger conflicts. I think this also shows, too, is that oftentimes more money, more people is not the solution, that culture and training and things like that matter. And 
I I worry that basically, you know, they're going to use January 6th still as an excuse to further expand the security state, to pass more domestic uh, uh, surveillance and anti-terrorist laws. They're basically just going to give the government more weapons to turn against the American people. And as as the last 20 years have shown, uh, that's not going to make it safer. That's not going to prevent things like January 6th or some of the other things that have happened. Uh, in some cases, it might actually create the conditions for them. So that's that's what really worries me. And the solution to this is not to spend more or to give the security state more, more power. It's to fundamentally restructure it and, radic- and in some cases abolish parts of it because it is clearly not making it safer and it's only being weaponized against the American people. Well, I am so pleased with the work that you're doing there, Dan Caldwell, and your team. He's a vice president at Center for Renewing America. You can find them at americarenewing.com. That's americarenewing.com. Dan Caldwell, thank you so much. Kim, thank you for having me on. And uh, did want to mention, the show comes to you because of so many great sponsors. And another one of those great sponsors is Hooters Restaurants. They have five locations. That is Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs. And uh, they have all kinds of specials for both lunch and happy hour Monday through Friday. And a great place to get together to watch the March Madness. So, again, that's Hooters Restaurants. Uh, Our quote for the end of the show is from Will Rogers. And he said this. He said, if America ever passes out as a great nation, we ought to put on our tombstone, America died from a delusion that she had moral leadership. So, my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate endless well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you and God bless America. Stay tuned for hour number two. It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucratic the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to hour number two with the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose. Today's Drive for Excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team I work with. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, and all the people here at Crawford uh, Broadcasting. Happy Thursday, producer Steve. Uh, yes, thought-provoking Thursday, and my thoughts have been provoked in that first hour. And they will be even more in this second hour. I'm going to stay right on task. There's several things that I wanted to mention 
and the first and foremost, we'll go to quote of the day. And this is from uh, Will Rogers, born in 1879, died in an uh, air, uh, airplane crash in 1935. He was an American ent- entertainer, radio personality, film actor, writer, and had these pithy, homespun humor, uh, great humor and um, social commentary. He said, last year we said things can't go on like this, and they didn't. They got worse. And uh, we just think about that with what's happening down at the Colorado State Legislature. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, several things. I wanted to, first of all, I needed to make a clarification from yesterday regarding, regarding Senate Bill 23101, which was uh, the Senate bill. It did die in committee, but it was proposed by Republicans to get rid of the caucus assembly process. The caucus assembly process is the way that uh, really grassroots candidates can get onto the uh, primary ballot. The other way is via petitioning. And that is where uh, a candidate would get petitions or people to sign a petition. Uh, typically, that's a rich man's game. And uh, if, in fact, you got rid of the caucus assembly process, the cost of petitioning would go up. And, in fact, some of the Republican consultant operatives are probably behind this particular bill. It did die in committee, but it was Senator Kirkmeyer and Senator Gardner and Representative Bradfield. I wanted to make sure that I got the name correct on that. Uh, next thing, I know that we've got this important election that is coming up on Saturday in Loveland for the next state GOP chair. And uh, just want to want people to realize that um, uh, one of the Republican operatives that's been out there really trashing these these uh, people that have stepped forward to run for chair is Dick Wadhams. And he is a Republican operative, a former state GOP chair, did have some success with campaigns many, many years ago. But in fact, he has been taking money to push uh, push forward some of these terrible initiatives. And one of those, I, I took a look at Tracer Prop uh, One Two Three, <clears throat> which was really an assault on property rights. Uh, it's a really uh, has the land banking trust is really a cronious kind of thing. And he took twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars to be out there stumping for that. So when he's out there trashing these these different candidates for state GOP chair. And saying that it's going to be a disaster and, oh, candidates can't win. The candidates he's been involved with have not been winning. And so we need to make sure that we understand that as we're going into this very important election on Saturday, March 11th. Question. So I wanted to mention that. Okay. Uh, there was a flurry of activity here yesterday on this very subject, and I, I don't want to go into it on the air. Uh, but that website you keep quoting is Tracer? Yes, Colorado Secretary of State Tracer. Okay. And you can actually go to my essay that I did regarding radical, and, and it's at KimMunson.com, and it's under articles, Radical Democrats and Republican Consultants are Complicit in Colorado's Troubles. I actually took the actual report there from Tracer that shows that he took that money for Prop 123. So it's right there. It's totally sourced. Well, thank you so for that. we can stand behind that. By and the way, then Karen's lastly, here. I just, oh. I, okay, I just, I just had to mention one thing, though. Did you see this, that Jill Biden gives the award, uh, the Woman of Courage Award to a biological male at the White House a couple of days ago for International Women's Day? I mean, honest to Pete, this is unbelievable. Uh, and can, I, can I direct you back to the quote of the day? <laughs> <laughs> true. True. That is true. It is unbelievable. But yet, 
when when you take a look at this uh, cage-free chicken bill that we have here in Colorado, and egg prices have gone up across the country, but they've gone up even more because of this legislation and how it's anticipating what that's going to do to uh, egg production here in Colorado. But in that bill, they define a hen as a female chicken or goose or duck. So somehow they can define it regarding fowl. I'll call, I should call fowl on this, but regarding fowl in, but yet not in humans. It is beyond belief. But uh, we get to have these great conversations because of great sponsors. And one of those is Karen Levine, where, where I'm up for her weekly update. Karen Levine, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. And my apologies that um, my travels to Las Vegas caused me to forget last week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had a feeling because you've been keeping quite a pace. And so uh, I'm excited to have you on now. And, you know, the first thing, I just want to talk about property rights. I mean, we're seeing such an assault on property rights. I had... uh, uh, Holly Green on, um, I think it was Monday, uh, to talk about the, the changing of the zoning, the changing of the fabric of single-family ho- homes by plopping these, quote-unquote, we'll use it one time, these affordable, but they're subsidized housing apartment buildings in single-family neighborhoods. That's, you know, if, if an apartment building can make it economically without su- being subsidized, that's one thing. But having them come in and be subsidized and changing the fabric of neighborhoods there's something inherently wrong about that. And then, of course, we had Tara Lynn Romero on as well regarding uh, the Jefferson County commissioners trying to, to do a land grab on her land. And so property rights are really under assault here in Colorado right now, Karen. Um, I think that is a very true statement, Kim. And the thing is that this assault started taking place probably over a decade, if not more, ago. And we, we, the people, didn't see what was happening. And what's so sad and what I, you have noted is apartment buildings are being built and yet they're supposed to be affordable housing. But to make it affordable, the cost of building has to be affordable. And because of policy, regulation, red tape, the, the, the planning and building process, is so onerous that developers, it's not profitable for them, but then they get subsidies to bring some of these units out of the ground, and they end up being luxury apartments, which means they don't really meet the median income, the average median income, and then they, the government comes in and subsidizes filling up those luxury apartments instead of letting free market play out as it should. And if the price is too high on a unit, the price comes down. Then we add to that uh, legislation that's out there to look at rent control and give municipalities the right to instill rent control. But just the conversation about rent control means that we will, again, have less units available and the price will be up. Well, and one other thing, Karen, we haven't talked about is this bill that's uh, making its way through the Colorado legislature regarding the government having the right of first refusal when uh, a property is sold. And I, I've, I've read it just 
kind of skimmed it, but uh, there are some that say, well, it doesn't mean it's going to be your single family home. It has to be units three or more. Regardless, that's I think that should strike terror in our hearts. What's your thoughts on that, Karen? I was going to say, regardless, um, <laughs> if if the if the government wants to be in the real estate business, the government can compete in the free market. They should not be given preferential treatment over the citizens of those that they are representing. Well, and then I would challenge the government should not be in the real estate business because they're using tax dollars to then be in that business. But I think to your your yeah. point on this particular bill is at least, you know, it would be a free market answer versus a, a right of first refusal. I think that's your point. Exactly. Yes. Yes, and, and we continue okay. to talk about, we have been talking about over the years of our relationship, is the lack of inventory. And that continues to be a challenge in the marketplace here locally and nationally. Uh, we just saw in our statistics on Monday that the average price of a condo townhome, a multifamily unit, uh, went over 500000 And that is because when you have no supply, the price is going to go up. And the supply is limited because of public policy. Yes. And I think it's important <laughs> that we connect that dot. Absolutely. So, and so this is a tricky real estate market. And uh, Karen, I know that you're still helping people buy, sell homes. Um, and if people want to buy or sell their home, what's the best way for people to reach you? The best way to reach me is 303-877. 7516. Now, and I wanted to mention one other thing. Um, I uh, traveled out to the airport the other day <clears throat> and I saw a new development and it looked like the prices were, were more affordable for a new development. And so you can help people with a new build as well. They just need to make sure that you come with them. And people need to understand they need to have somebody on their side of the table to represent them. And so you can help people with a new build as well, correct? Exactly. And I think the thing to remember is what happens is you get a thought, you hear an ad, you see a development, you, you know, you're driving by. If you go into that community and you talk to their sales representative, the sales representative represents the builder. They do not represent you. And their goal is to sell as many houses as possible. So I would ask that for your protection, reach out to me. Give yourself a day or two. It's okay. The house will still be there when we show up together. And then I can represent you. I can tell you about their um, building practices, about um, the things they're doing in construction, um, you know, what options are available to you while we're contracting. And you have, like you said, Kim, somebody on their side, the buyer's side of the table. And again, what's that number where people can reach you, Karen Levine? 303-877-7516. Fantastic. Karen Levine, we will talk to you next week. Sounds great. And wanted to mention the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. They can create personalized insurance plans to cover all your needs from protection for your cars to your home, condo, boat, motorcycle, business, and renter's coverage. Contact the Roger Mangan Team now at 303-795-8855 for a complimentary appointment. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan's team is there. This is called service. 
You hooked me up with auto and renters. Props to my insurance mentor. You made it easy to cover my bed in a box and my extensive collection of clocks. You know, I find it kind of funny that you also save me money. You've got that good neighbor charm. Give it up. For State Farm. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. Three Points Financial, a comprehensive fee-only financial and tax-focused company, considers all the pieces of a client's financial life. There are no sales or commissions involved, and all advice is fiduciary, putting the client first. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz, co-owners of Three Points Financial, take time to work with you regarding decisions that affect your financial present and future. Whatever is happening in our world and with our economy, you have financial goals that matter. And Three Points Financial offers personal, real-time plans for savings, retirement, investments, and taxes, both tax efficiency and preparation. There is no better time than now to focus on your financial situation. If you are interested in learning more, contact 3pointsfinancial.com to schedule a no-obligation introductory call. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmonson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, before we uh, get into the conversation with Pam Long, I wanted to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. Uh, they are raising money for the Marine Memorial uh, remodel out at Six and Colfax. And it's a just a... A great thing to be able to, for you to contribute some dollars to them to make this happen. And uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day is coming up, and a great gift would be to buy a brick that will be on one of their walkways of service uh, to honor your loved one's military service. You can do that at usmcmemorialfoundation.org. And uh, thrilled to have on the line with me Pam Long. She is a uh, West Point graduate, former captain in the Army Medical Service Corps, and uh, writes very important essays. And we just published this one last week in the newsletter. That's why you should be signed up for the newsletter. It's regarding school mental health surveys are a tool for expanding pharmaceutical drugs to students. And she has done an amazing amount of research on this. I highly recommend you check that out at my website. Pam Long, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. Uh, after I read this, I, I had a real knot in my stomach. And the, the wording sounds so good. The Healthy Kids Colorado Survey, it implies that we want our kids to be healthy. But there's danger, danger in this. Correct, Pam Long? Oh, huge danger. So while most conservatives are focused on the gun control legislation, there is a dystopian mental health agenda quietly moving through Colorado legislation right now with 17 bills. But today I want to focus on HB 1003, which is the school mental health screening. This will promote prescription drug use in our students from age 12 and up. It will promote the SEL, the social emotional learning in agendas 
in our students. And it ultimately, I would like people to view that you are going to be offered these mental health screenings, call them what you will. You will be offered them to students, to veterans, to prisoners, to people in the judicial process, low-income individuals, everywhere you go after this session, you will be offered a mental health screening. And I want people to view these as dating data mining operations, and competency tests. The answers that you provide in these digital formats to third parties could be the basis in, in, later in your life to, to uh, make the case you're not competent to manage your property. You're not competent to retain your gun ownership rights. You're not competent to keep your children. Boy, this, now again, what's that uh, house bill number? 1003. Okay, so this that means that was probably the third bill that was introduced to this legislative session, correct? It was early on. It's already went through the House um, hearing where it passed party line. It's stuck in appropriations um, with a $17 million fiscal note. This is, this is big money. This is an agenda. You don't put $17 million on a fiscal note for a, just a mental health screening tool. They, they don't cost $15 million. $17 million. And, and if I could, I could go over some of these, the existing mental health screenings. These are not mental health screenings. Number one, I Matter and Healthy Kids Colorado survey, these are not validated tools that are used by professionals. The, the, the Number two, these, they ask questions about normal emotions, about stress. These are not symptoms of a disorder. Number three, they target and screen for people in poverty. Poverty is not a mental illness. And number four, they screen for substance abuse. These surveys are loaded with self-incrimination, and every parent should be opting out. But um, the, there's even something hidden in the fiscal note that I just discovered yesterday after I wrote the article. It's that they've already chosen, selected the instrument for HB 1003. It's called the BIMAS. The BIMAS, or the Behavior Intervention Monitoring Assessment System. And that's exactly what it will do. It will monitor students three times a year, not for mental health, but it's not, it's not a mental health screening tool. It clearly indicates on its website that it is an SEL compliance monitoring tool and that, you know, SEL aims to prioritize emotion decision-making over rational decision-making. And, and you can already see this in our Democratic legislators. They're already applying SEL. So SEL dictates that you accept gender transition because if you don't, people will commit suicide. Another example would be SEL says you have to accept gun control because people use guns to commit suicide and suicide is bad. It is emotional manipulation at its core. But you see, SEL, is, it's necessary because to, to accomplish these sustainable development goals that are promoted by the World Economic Forum, because you, they need to teach uh, students and young people that their individual goals need to be compromised for their collective good that is dictated by elitists. Oh. Now, is this, uh, are these surveys only being administered in public schools or private schools doing this as well and charter schools? This program will be offered to all public schools, and, and I'm sure there will be options for charter and private schools to opt in. So this is how these agendas start. They start with a little grant funding, and, and it's optional. We saw that with the foot in the door with iMatter a year or two ago, $6 million 
and you know it's optional and, and students can be referred to this website and divulge their highly sensitive personal information to a third party and get referrals for free counseling without any parental involvement and and then you have the Healthy Kids Colorado Survey, which has been ongoing for years in the data mining operation, but most schools and parents are very naive to what it's actually doing. It's not actually promoting health or mental health. And now you have this, the, the, the Binance accomplishes two goals in this agenda that have not been accomplished thus far by the existing surveys. One, it will capture all students in public schools because one, what, something that is grant funded becomes state funded, becomes moves from optional to mandatory for you know um, schools to to get the funding and it captures the personally identifying information that's the second goal it accomplishes and it will be warehoused and stored by third parties for for the rest of the person's life i mean these these things um will have impact on people for the rest of their lives with self-incrimination uh, being flagged for having a mental health disorder possibly being forced medicated to get their rights back um, because of the responses on these surveys. This is absolutely terrifying. And I'm trying to look at the bill because, uh, as uh, I've mentioned, I'm the new president of the Colorado Union of Taxpayers. And, and because of the uh, exorbitant expense on this from a tax standpoint, we recommend a, a no vote on this. But I'm trying to figure out, there's been this thing that I, I started to see as I was looking at some of these initiatives and now a legislation, and we're calling it the GGD Clause, and it's uh, gifts, grants, and donations, where uh, these bureaucracies that are being set up can actually uh, accept gifts from from these outside parties, which I find uh, tremendously dangerous. But very, very quickly perusing this, I do not see that, that it has that in there. But it does use the safety clause, which I think is inappropriate as well on this. But, um, oh, my gosh. Uh, and like like you say, everybody's been focusing on these um, uh, unconstitutional bills regarding our Second Amendment. But this is this is so dangerous regarding... Um, records for a lifetime, Pam. It's just unbelievable. Well, and if I could double down on this BIMAS, it will collect data on your conduct, which includes anger management, bullying, substance abuse, deviance, a negative aspect, which is anxiety and depression, cognitive and attention, which is your focus and organization, social skills, academic competence. This assessment will be promoted as research-based, but there is no peer review or validation, with only the, the biomass authors publishing research on its validity and reliability. It will be offered to all students ages 12 and up three times a year to measure your progress on your SEL indoctrination with a digital format collecting personally identifying information by third parties contracted by CDPHE, our state health department. This data will create a reporting dashboard on the district, school, and classroom level so that low-scoring cohorts can be publicly shamed into SEL interventions so that they can earn their green rating. And, and beyond the data mining with, with lifelong implications, there are other two huge concerns. One is that House Bill 1003 projects that this program will generate an increase in CPS referrals, CPS referrals by the answers that the students respond with. And two, this program will cost $17 million, not just this year, but every year in continuation. Uh, and I know you have Danielle Dorinsky coming on your show tomorrow that we'll talk about 
how corrupt CPS is with over 76% of the cases filed are deemed uh, unsubstantiated false allegations. Parents, this is a trap. This whole system is a trap. Well, and explain a CPS referral for people that don't know what that is exactly, Pam Long. So currently in our law in Colorado that anyone, an anonymous person, can just call CPS and say, hey, I think this, uh, in the case of Danielle Jernitsky, an Aurora councilwoman, um, she's abusing her small child, sexually abusing her small child. No evidence, and there's no due process. You are guilty until you prove yourself innocent, which in a lot of cases results in the child being removed from the home during this process until you can lawyer up and hopefully win. And there is a bill in uh, in progress right now of making these anonymous reports unlawful. But that is the system that anyone can call and say you're abusing a child without any evidence. And so and then what could happen is people's children could be taken from them. And how what a cat, what a catastrophic event for parents and children to go through that process. And uh, and, and we're seeing all, all this stuff kind of tee up. So I want to continue the conversation with Pam Long. We have these important, hard hitting conversations because of great sponsors such as Karen Levine. There are always opportunities in changing markets, and the metro real estate market is no exception. That's why you need to work with seasoned REMAX Alliance realtor Karen Levine when you buy your home, sell your home, consider opportunities of a new build, or explore investment properties. Rising interest rates are spurring creativity, innovation, and opportunity in the real estate and mortgage markets. Kim Monson highly recommends award-winning REMAX realtor Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate questions. That's 303-877-7516. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure to check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. On the line with me is Pam Long. We are talking about her very important piece. You can find that at uh, Kim Munson dot com. And it is regarding uh, the actual title on it is School Mental Health Surveys are a tool for expanding pharmaceutical drugs to students, but it's even more than that. And Pam does go into that in detail in this uh, particular essay. Highly recommend that you would read that. First question on the table is parents. Is there transparency, first of all, that these uh, surveys are being administered? And how can parents uh, make sure their kids don't take these uh, surveys, Pam Long? 
so parents, you're going to have to um, be proactive and go to the school and write a letter that says, I am opting out of my student from all of these mental health surveys. I matter, Healthy Kids Colorado survey, the BiMass, and just then the catch all of any type of mental health screening because you cannot depend on the school to tell you when they will be administered. And secondly, you need to talk to your students because if they are over 12 years old, they can opt right back in. They can say, never mind my parent, um, you know, opted me out. I feel peer pressured. I'm the only person not taking this test. I'm going to opt myself back in. That is the wording in HB 1003. So you need to explain while giving up this highly personal sensitive information that can be used later against the individual that it is not private. It is not anonymous. It is not confidential. It, it will have lifelong implications in that there are other ways to get help you can get help privately with someone outside the school outside the government and who where where your parents can be involved in helping you select the right provider and helping you through the process and supporting you but a system that by design leaves the parents out in in this data mining and in sharing information without confidentiality is a system by design that is working against our students Absolutely. Now, and meanwhile, back at the ranch, we've got over here regarding the gun bills that somebody has to be 21 before they can purchase a rifle, certain kinds of rifles. But yet uh, a kid at the age of 12 and 12 year olds, first of all, they're trying to figure out what's what's going on in life. Their bodies are changing. It's a difficult time. Sometimes that can be a difficult, uh, difficult time between parents and children. And I really think the people that are pushing this agenda, they know that. And so who's behind this there? I mean, there's big money. There's, I, you know, I probably know the answer. Who's behind all this, uh, Pam Long? Well, when I see a figure of $17 million a year, first, I know that's pharma. That's pharma saying this is how we are going to expand our pharmaceutical drug cartel to students. We didn't have a way to go in and market ourselves to students before, but mental health and and then I see SEL, the social emotional learning. I see it all over this. I see it in the wording of the evaluations. I see it on their websites. I see this has been a long-term goal is, is to, is to make this more of take SEL and formalize it into more of a social credit system where you will see it in schools, in the workplace. You will be offered a mental health screening in every uh, aspect of your life. But you know what is, you know, I want people to know, I want people to know that you cannot trust this legislation and this agenda because you already know that during COVID that you were locked down and you were subjected to involuntary medication. And we have a bill right now in the legislature, HB 23-1013, use of restrictive practices in prisons. That bill clearly says that you cannot lock down a prisoner in long-term isolations with restrictions to movement. It is unethical. You cannot force someone who is not proven to be dangerous to be subject to involuntary medications. So the same people who treated you with less rights than criminals during COVID now come forward and step up and allegedly want, want to help you with your mental health crisis. While CDPHE denies the epidemic that they created. You have the American Pediatrics stating unequivocally that there is a significant increase in overall observed versus expected youth suicides during the pandemic. You have the CDC saying there is a 26% higher rate of suicide attempts in 2020 in our youth, 51% higher in suicide attempts in our youth in 2021. We will not know the peak of that suicide 
crisis until 2022 data is reported. So parents, you cannot trust CDPG, Governor Polis, the state legislator, dom- legislature dominated by uh, Democrats. This is an agenda. And if you go along with it, it is the equivalent of Stockholm syndrome, where you are going along with your, your captors. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Pam, we've got some uh, text questions coming in here. It says, ask Pam how this bill has further implications on mental health screening and hospitals and such. Uh, this person had a friend who was given a rigorous mental health screening when her son was recently, uh, was recently at a local hospital. Your comments on that? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Everywhere you go, you will be offered a screening. And I will tell parents, patients, you need to ask, is this a validated instrument? Is this an instrument that over time has been peer-reviewed? And um, and usually what that looks like, and I can tell you from my professional experience, is that is one person with a, with a pen and paper type approach filling out a normed and standardized evaluation. That is not something you use in a crisis, by the way. Um, so if someone is coming to you in a crisis situation with a computer and logging all your responses into a computer, that should be a red flag and you should start asking questions. What instrument is this? Is this validated? Is this research-based? What are we doing here? Why are you collecting this data? Who keeps this data? You know, all the right questions. Okay, next uh, text here uh, says, Conversation with Pam Long is absolutely terrifying. When we were growing up, kids took zero prescriptions and had four or five vaccines in total until adulthood. We were much healthier than our children are today. Talk about government being out of their lane. What kind of legislation could be put in place to put guardrails around this legislation? What's, what's going to stop this dystopian future? The backlash. You absolutely, before this, if this bill comes out of uh, appropriations where they find $17 million a year for this, which is a great way to protest this bill, we, this is not where we want to spend $17 million. But then people need to go to the Senate hearing, if it goes to the Senate hearing, and talk about all of these issues. This is not a validated tool. This is, this is an agenda. This is, this is uh, SEL, indoctrination. This is social credit system. This is no, no, there are no consumer protections against privacy, data sharing, self-incrimination. This, this is a disaster. It is a disaster, and so we need to keep an eye on this. I did just take a look, and uh, Colorado Union of Taxpayers clearly was a no vote on that, and you can find that at coloradotaxpayer.org, where we've taken position on all of these different bills. Um, who? I think this is the next question is, I mean, human beings, we're complex beings, and we have emotions where we can be angry, we can be frustrated. That can play out in different ways. Who makes the decision about mental health? Who says somebody has good mental health or bad mental health? Who makes that decision? Well, under a professional ethical system, if you have concerns about your mental health or your child's mental health, you would seek out a provider that uh, shares the same values as you do, that is tr- that you have good rapport with, that you can trust. And that person would offer you, um, with informed consent, some, you know, um, maybe a screening or an assessment with a validated tool. And then you have the option to decline or participate. And you have a, a usually sign a privacy document saying that your information will not be shared outside of the provider and patient relationship. That is what a good professional ethical situation looks like. 
HB 1003 destroys all of that. It takes a fishing approach. It assumes everyone has a mental health problem, right? That you haven't demonstrated any problems, but here's a list of what we're going to call symptoms. Let me read some of these symptoms to you um, from the iMatter screening tool, which is not validated. Um, do you feel fidgety, unable to sit still, sad, unhappy, daydream too much, refuse to share, do not understand people's feelings, feel hopeless, have trouble concentrating, fight with other kids, down on yourself, blame others, seem to have less fun, do not listen to rules, uh, tease others, worry, take things that don't belong to you? Like, these are not symptoms of, this is a random list. This is a fishing approach. This is a random list of, I could feel any of those things every day this week. It doesn't mean I have a disorder that I need to be referred to six counseling sessions and probably the result of those counseling sessions will be a diagnosis because that's profitable for ongoing treatment and prescription drugs. Well, you know, as the, as you were reading that, I was thinking we should have the uh, legislators go through that. Uh, taking things, do you want to take things from other people? Just take a look at the taxation. How's that? <laughs> right. We, we all feel these things. At, at some point, it doesn't make them maladaptive or a disorder. This is a this tool is a product designed to make you a customer, and that's how you need to look at it. Oh my gosh! And a customer that, um, you know, if, if you're if you're if you're dependent on drugs, you're you're just really not not living. Whether or not, and so and here we have, you know, there, there's so many people that are so concerned about illegal drugs, but yet here we have the pharma industry pushing all these legal drugs onto people. And it comes out of so many different ways. So we're going to continue the conversation. Uh, and they come to you because of great sponsors such as Lauren Levy. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your healthcare concerns. Finding a firearm or training course can be intimidating for anyone, especially when you're new at it. Franktown has everything you need to get started or to improve with a firearm. Franktown is a family-friendly gun store and are invested in the success of their customers, no matter what your age, gender, or experience level is. Franktown sells firearms and ammo at or below MSRP, has an indoor range on site, and offers tactical and safety training. Franktown Firearms is always a safe and easygoing environment 
environment for all customers. Come to Franktown for a comfortable, no-pressure experience when shopping or learning about your firearm with approachable experts dedicated to your development as the owner of a firearm. Franktown Firearms has everything you need to get started and or to improve on any background experience. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown to schedule your firearms training today or find more information at franktownfirearms.com. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, Pam Long is staying on the line with us uh, through the uh, call-in and text time. And uh, I would really recommend that you go to my website, KimMunson.com, open up her essay, School Mental Health Surveys Are a Tool for Expanding Pharmaceutical Drugs to Students, and get this to all your friends who are parents, because people need to understand what is going on, and Pam has has really uh, put this in, in an understandable way, so I'd recommend that you do that. We have Heather in Fort Collins on the line. Heather, what's on your radar? Hey, good morning, Kim, and I wanted to thank you for covering this. I've been following um, 1003, and I had a couple things I wanted to point out. Um, So I've read the uh, initial bill, and that was read in the House, and it was passed through. And these legislators passed this through. Bemis, or BIMAS, was not in that bill. It wasn't mentioned anywhere. Um, suddenly this fiscal note comes out and they already have the tool. There's a $17 million appropriations. Um, And I think that parents need to know that this isn't something happening out there that might happen one day. Boulder Boulder Valley School District is already using the BIMAS index. They've already used it in their school district. Um, I looked at some BIMAS information, and I saw that my school district, which is Poudre School District in Fort Collins, is using this and is cited in the BIMAS information as um, using this on the students who go to the school-based health centers at our, in our school district. Uh, there are other uh, schools ba- on this list. So this BIMAS is already out there. They're already using it on the most vulnerable children because these school-based health centers are in the schools that that hold the most vulnerable children in our society. Now they're using that data from those students to push through this this, uh, tool to be used in this bill. So Poudre School District, Boulder Valley School District are clearly already using them. So PSD, Poudre School District in Fort Collins, they actually lobbied for 1003. They were on the list of lobbyists as supporting the bill. I want to know why. That angers me. Why is my school district supporting a bill like this? No other school districts were doing that. And then finally, the other thing Uh I just wanted to mention is that this, you know, this uh, child welfare impact statement comes out in this fiscal note um, saying that these screenings may result in an increase in reports of known or suspected child abuse or neglect. Pam talked about that. That was nowhere in the bill. So, by mass, nowhere in the bill. 
uh, CPS increasing nowhere in the bill, and yet these legislators ask no questions. What is this tool? Do we have the tool? And they don't care. It just goes through. So it's up to the Senate to stop this bill now. But um, I just wanted to warn parents about that. And I, I think you should do the opt-outs for these surveys, but I don't believe these schools can be trusted. Uh, you need to open every media email to find out what's going on, and I would keep your kid out of school on the survey days. Go on a field trip. Okay, thank you, Heather, in Fort Collins. Pam, your comments. Wow, I mean, uh, Heather just laid it all out there. This is already in motion. There's already a sleight of hand with the fiscal note. They're not being transparent, which confirms everything we just discussed. And I think I read when I was going over the BIMAS um, information given to other school districts and states like in Michigan, I think the Pooner School District was part of the pilot project. So, again, you have this example of any time you see a private and public partnership that means the government is going to run over your rights without immunity, without any liability. They're going to say, oh, this is this third party, this private contractor. It's not us that sold your data, right? So buyer beware of any government and private industry working together to protect your safety or health or, you know, the whole, they usually say health and safety. No, these are data mining operations. Well, and Pam, do you remember during COVID that uh, Governor Polis, there was a million dollar, approximately a million dollar contract that was given to one of his cronies to the, would uh, which actually tracked citizens. So then what happens is, is that they split hairs. Polis says, oh, we're not tracking, uh, but actually... Technically, that's probably true. The government is not tracking. It's a third party. And whenever you see public-private partnership, it's like, wait a minute, hold on, because it's totally cronyism, and it may be government trying to get around things. But do you remember that? Um, And again, uh, it was one of his cronies that was doing that. Not only was there a contract for that, there was a contract for these PCR tests. There was tons of cronyism in that, where there were uh, these bids, They were given to contractors for PCR tests and people made, you know, millions of dollars and these tests turned out to be, uh, you know, not able to differentiate between influenza or COVID. They were a total sham, but people made millions through the same process. Okay, so Pam, we've got just about five minutes left. If you want to call in 303-477-5600, text line is 720-605-0647. This has clearly hit a nerve. Uh, First thing, uh, one text message says you need to homeschool or use private schools. And you even need to be careful with private schools, though, too. Right, Pam? Absolutely, because there will be incentives. Again, there will be this dashboard, and if you want to keep your accreditation or your any type of funding, or if you want to keep your doors open, there will be strings attached that you will comply with this test. Okay. And so it goes on to say, get your kids out of public schools. And uh, I think this homeschooling or um you know, working together with other parents, I think I, we've we've got to change this because our kids – Oh my gosh, there, it's so much danger there. Next one said, our children are much more fragile today than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. Why? What has changed that they're not as resilient? Oh my gosh, those are big questions, Pam. What would you say to that? 
Well, I mean, the most recent data would show that the lockdowns, the long-term school closures were absolutely beyond a public health failure. They were catastrophic. And the data came in in 2020 and 2021 that, the, that you know, Children's Hospital and the, and the American Academy of Pediatrics declared in 2021, we have a state of emergency with youth mental health. But did they let up? No. Did the schools resume? No. Did we end the mass mandates on children who weren't susceptible to COVID fatalities? No. We doubled and tripled down. So if you want to know what happened to your kids, it was right there at the feet of Governor Polis, the health department, CDPHE, these lawmakers who, who went along with it, the Board of Health, they are all complicit. They are all complicit in that. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, there, there's other things that's going through my mind on that. Um, I want to jump over here regarding the uh, the firearms bills that we talked with Representative Hartsook about. Uh, one of our listeners said, uh, what's coming is guns will then be illegal to transfer. And then he said extortion is next. And this person lived in the Noriega dictatorial regime. And uh, he said political science thugs are no different than Noriega and maybe they're worse. You know, that is an interesting thing, Pam, your comment on that regarding political thugs. Uh, and, and we're seeing they, they hide behind saying that they want to do things that are good for people. And in essence, they're hurting people. We've got just a couple of minutes left on that. And again, the text line is fired up. I, I, I thank you. I really thank you. So, Pam, your last uh, your final comments. I just want to end with a quote by Woody Harrelson. He said, the biggest drug cartels in the world get together, buy up all the media and politicians. They all force all the people in the world to stay locked up in their homes. And the people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. Boy, from Woody Harrelson, no less. I've always thought that he was pretty far left. So, And you started your your essay with that particular quote, Pam. Right. And I mean, and when you look at SB 23170, expands that the extreme risk protection orders to remove firearms from people to educators right at the same time where we have this mental health survey going into schools, educators will now be able to deem your student not uh, with some type of mental health disorder with the, using these tools and without due process, your student could lose their, their right to gun ownership for the rest of their lives. Oh, my gosh. And very quickly, we have BK on the line. BK, we've got just uh, about 45 seconds. Okay, the 1974 Privacy Act is what enables you to opt out of these programs. How do they nullify that in the state legislation? It's federal, right, the, the Privacy Act. Pam? I'll just say HIPAA is a permission slip to share your information with researchers in the entire world. It's not actually a privacy measure at all. Yes, but, you know, when you go into the uh, doctor's office, that it's couched like it's a privacy thing, but we're realizing that. And and uh, it really, this uh, came down under Obamacare. When they, remember, it was the electronic health records. I thought there could be a real problem with that. And I think that was a precursor to all this. When I say these radical activists are playing long ball, they're playing long ball, Pam Long. Absolutely. And this is, we see it right here in this these mental health bills. They, they have, this is phase two. If phase one of COVID was the pharmaceutical commandeering of state governments, phase two is now in motion with the pharmaceutical internment of every single person at every age and stage of life. Oh, my gosh. People, uh, please go to my website and uh, read Pam Long's essay and share it. Pam Long, thank you so much. We will talk to you next month.
Thank you, Kim. And Will Rogers, uh, he said this. He said, if America ever passes out as a great nation, we ought to put on our tombstone, America died from a delusion that she had moral leadership. My friends, today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate endless well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.